Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of the Blatant Homers and podcast, part of Sooner Sports Radio and the V-Sporto Network. Uh, Going to be previewing the Tulsa Golden Hurricane with our good friend uh, Jeremy Poplin, sideline reporter for uh, TU Football, and also uh, you know there with uh, AM 1430 The Buzz in Tulsa doing uh, all kinds of great sports radio, a longtime veteran there in the uh, Tulsa market. Let's go <laughs> ahead and get him on, man. Jeremy, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Alan, how's it going, man? I really appreciate you having me back on, man. Oh, man, for you, any time, bud. Um, so... Uh, hey, I want to know. So it seems like there's a lot going on there for you guys at uh, AM 1430. You know, can, can you <laughs> fill us in a little bit on on some of the uh, changes there? Uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a crazy. I will say last month, uh, and maybe even really technically less than that. So um, I've been doing uh, what we call the big show, which is every afternoon between two and six. Now, I've been doing that show with Chris Plank for this will be year 13 that we've been doing the show together and if you know anything about radio that really doesn't happen anymore uh especially and really in any market you know i mean you're very fortunate to have a group that can continue to do a show together for that long a period of time and uh chris got an amazing opportunity uh to, to to further his career and i guess i found out uh, the last weekend in in July, maybe the weekend before that, that you know he had this he had this opportunity and it had been you know kind of been a works for a little bit behind the scenes for him, and he uh, made the announcement that he was he was going to step down. Chris has been at the station for 18 years; he's been program director for that long, so it's uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be different. Uh, we are in the process now of trying to finalize you know exactly what direction that we're headed in. There's several different options. Um, I have applied for the job. I don't know if I'm going to get it yet. You know, hopefully maybe even, you know, a couple of days, even after this is posted, I'll know more. Um, but uh, it's we're, we're a little bit up in the air as far as just who it's going to be. We're going to continue no matter what. Uh, it's just all about who at this point. And, uh trying to come up with a with a new identity so you know a show that has been on the air for as long as it has on the heritage sports talk station in tulsa uh, is absolutely going to look different than it ever has been before but you know the only way i look at it man is sometimes uh changes for the good we were having this discussion behind the scenes you know every now and then i feel like that we need a fresh set of eyes we need a fresh set of ears uh, to look at the inner workings of the station because you, you always need new, fresh ideas and uh, basically a fresh coat of paint, and that's that's kind of the mentality that we're taking, and we're gonna we're gonna go on with it and be as as positive as we can. And then you know we got we got uh, served a 90 day out clause on ESPN Radio, uh, and fortunately for us, it's worked out where we've got a chance now to bring back CBS Sports Radio, which you mm-hmm. you know about this being oh, in the yeah. Tulsa market. 
how big the Jim Rome was to the Tulsa market. And when we had the opportunity to see that we could bring him back, plus add Doug Gottlieb. And I, and I need to say that, that Doug has been active behind the scenes about wanting to get back into the Tulsa market now for a while. Mm-hmm. So he's constantly been reaching out, and he, he was really trying to push for this. And I know Doug's happy because Doug has a lot of family in the area. Doug used to do his ESPN show from 1300 yeah. Studios in, in our building. So maybe now when he's back in Tulsa, he'll have the opportunity to continue his CBS show from our studio. So lots of <laughs> lots of changes in the work. And as I mentioned before, it's been crazy last couple of weeks and the the month leading up to football season and then in the football season. It really gives me a headache, a headache even thinking about all the work that lies ahead, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what, though, man? I mean, you know, I've had you guys on before, and, uh, you know, you and Chris both, and, you know, told you guys, I mean, you guys do such good work, though, kind of holding it down there for a local market like Tulsa that, uh, you know, I mean, you know, a lot of other towns that size might not get that same kind of uh, dedication and everything. And I mean, you know, I like I, I always joke with Chris about it, about how, man, I, I was listening back when he first started on there. And I mean, there right. was so much like NASCAR talk and, uh, you know, like wrestling. and stuff. And I mean, like, not that that's not a, a nice diversion at times, but I was just like, man, I was like, this guy, I don't know how long this is going to keep going, man. But right. you guys have done a great job there. I mean, kept it kept it going for so long and everything and uh you guys really have a lot to be proud of man because that's yeah. that's some great great work you guys have done well i appreciate that and it's funny that you bring that up because we got into that today about how um he i i've brought at this point now for the last couple of weeks i also do play-by-play for the tulsa roughnecks which is mm-hmm. our professional soccer team in town and i i was joking that you know it's funny for the longest time now, I was always considered to be the youngster. I was I was the young guy. And I look around on these road trips that we go on, and, dude, I'm the second oldest guy now, and I'm 34. <laughs> and I'm like, holy crap, when did this happen? And I bring that up, and then today, you know, we're at TU, and we're talking with the co-defensive coordinator, Brian Norwood, who came up from Baylor, and we're kind of joking around, and Chris is like, I think it hit Chris. It was like, when did I become the old guy? You know, he's turning 40, and then when, when he and that made his announcement, you know, he had these people saying, dude, I listened to you in high school. You know, I listened to yeah. you when I was in junior high. <laughs> and he was like, holy crap, when am I become the old guy? And yeah. I was making fun of him. I was like, dude, you've been here 18 years, man. You, think about it. You Someone could have started listening to you early, and they're graduating high school. That's hilarious. Yeah, no, no kidding, man. But uh, you know, it was it was amazing, man, because there was really nothing there in Tulsa before uh, Chris and you guys came along, man. So it's been, uh, it you know, like I said, you guys have a lot to be proud of. So you know, uh, congratulations on a great run, and you know, I'm looking forward to what what uh, what's coming next for you, man. Yeah, man, I'm I'm really excited about what what potentially lies ahead. It's a good opportunity for both of us, honestly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, you mentioned that you were at TU uh, Media Day. Uh, figured I'd get uh, you know your take on things, especially with uh, you know Tulsa being on Oklahoma's schedule this year. Uh, this year they're going to be in Norman. Um, I guess just, you know, kind of in general, I mean, you know, you know, you know, the program just about as well as anybody with all the work you do behind the scenes there. Uh, you know, how do you feel like Philip Montgomery's, uh, settling in there? You know, today it dawned on me that, uh, Philip has done so much growth just within media responsibilities. 
I remember the first time when he got hired in his his press conference to uh, his, for his very first press conference at PU. Uh, he was nervous. You could tell that he wasn't used to speaking at the podium. That really wasn't you know. Arb Riles handled uh, pretty much ninety seven to you know yeah. ninety five ninety seven percent of the media Baylor. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't really anyone else. And that's, you know, coaches sometimes are that way. So coaches oh, yeah. sometimes want to handle it all themselves. Some of them say, hey, I have no problem with my guys doing it. So that was always a place where I thought we're going to see the most improvement from Phillip uh, the minute that uh, he has an opportunity to do this on a regular basis. And to see him, honestly, to have him sit down in front of him today and to see where he's at now, compared to that very first press conference where he looked like he was out of his comfort zone. He, he just was. And it's night and day, man. It is incredible to see just the growth that he's had. And I think the comfort factor that he now has, knowing that he's the point man. He's, mm-hmm. This is his program. This is his show. And he's already grown into it. And Philip Montgomery, from what I've seen and what I know of him and talking to him, what you see is what you get with Philip. You know, they've been successful for a reason. And it's guys like Bryles uh, having such a tight-knit relationship with guys like Philip that have been with him for a long time. And then the relationships that they've established with, with other individuals within that bit of a program. So uh, the Tulsa program already had some kind of Baylor ties to it anyway mm-hmm. because the strength and conditioning quarter, uh, he goes by cause. Uh, Montevita Cazzotti mm-hmm. is, the, is the street coach at Baylor. His uh, his first assistant actually went to TU under Blankenship and was the strength coordinator. Mm-hmm. So there was kind of a Baylor feel to it about what they were doing there anyway behind the scenes. And now to see it uniform across the board, I think it's going to be the same way that it was at Baylor. You know, they're going to be – everyone knows offensively, but I just mean the culture-wise. You know, there were times – that uh, I looked at Art and I laughed at Art because Art's at Baylor, but Art had this no F's given type Mm -hmm. personality. And it was great because I really, truly believe Baylor needed that. But there was also a sense, and it rubbed people the wrong way, that uh, they they played not only with a chip on their shoulder, but they were a bit cocky and they had too much fun on the sidelines. But that's just, I think that's just ingrained in them and they know that that's the only way that we can get certain individuals to play with a certain amount of chip on their shoulder to go out and prove to everyone, hey, not only are we good, not only do we have the mindset that we should be winning, but, hey, man, we're going to have fun doing it. And whether we rub people the wrong way or not, uh, that's just the way that it is. That's on you. That's not on us. And I, I really get the sense. And I bumped this up on the air. and Someone mm-hmm. immediately called me out. He said, so what you're saying is if they're going to play like Baylor, they're going to be a bunch of D-bags. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> you can find a bad apple in every bunch. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt. Look, Dixon ran his mouth a lot of Baylor, and yeah. I'm sure if they had to go back and change it, they would try to put, uh, you know, try try to calm him down a bit. But it's just the the overall energy and excitement that you're going to see at TU the same way that you've seen at Baylor over the past couple of years. And that sounds crazy. But I truly feel that way in the first, you know, handful of months that he's already been on the job. It's it's amazing to look in their eyes and just to see the difference because that was a beat down team at the end of last year. Yeah. They uh they were not in a good place. Not only physically, but mentally last year was a complete drain on them. Yeah, oh no doubt about that, you know, and 
you know, a bunch of D-bags on the field or whatever, man. It's hard to argue with the results right now at Baylor. I mean, that is uh, I mean, the, the work that they've done there in a very short period of time, uh, you know, taking them from a doormat to one of the most kind of uh, – the hottest programs in, in college football right now is something. And, you know, Montgomery obviously is the offensive coordinator had to, had a big role in that, but how much of the, of the, of that, you know, kind of success with the offense, do you get the feeling? I mean, how big of a hand did he have in that versus, uh, Art Bryles? Uh, you know I mean? Cause a lot of people talks about the Baylor offenses as Bryles offense. I mean, what kind of role did Montgomery really have in, uh, orchestrating all that? Uh, it's a complete hands-on um, from mm-hmm. from everything that we know and from everything that we're told. Yeah, it's Brown's offense. You you've read Chris Brown's books, mm-hmm. uh, all of Spark Football's books. You know, you know the derivative of that offense from what from what Brown learned at Houston. Uh, you know, a, a, a version of the of the Veer, and then what he ran in high school and how he developed that. And yeah, look, Brown's brought Philip Montgomery aboard, but it was. The tight knit relationship that they developed, and Philip was hands on every step of the way. Um, you, you know, and guys before even Philip had gone through that program and had uh, either GA'd for them and had a lot of experience and moved on to other programs, but it was all based off of that system. So, yeah, you could still call it Bryles' offense because he, he essentially developed that new version of it. But, dude, Philip, and Philip made it a point to go out and hire guys that were specifically operating under that system. Um, he brought in he brought in two offensive coordinators on this that have extensive uh, background in it. Um, Sterling Gilbert mm-hmm. uh, came in from uh, uh, Miami of Ohio. He brought in Matt Maddox, who has uh, you know a ton of ties in the community college ranks from from Kansas and and Texas as well. So they've got all their bases covered, but. Yeah, um, that's it, that, that's been kind of thrown around a little bit. It's like, all right, so truly, how much was he involved in the mix? Uh, Philip is Philip is a clone of our Bryles, is what he is. I mean, he's a he's a carbon copy. And to tell you how close that they were, and how much confidence that Bryles had in him, it was Philip got a little choked up when asked about R. Bryles at his first press conference. Hey, can you describe the relationship with R. Bryles? Philip had to pause. Philip paused when he talked about his, his dad. Mm-hmm. Philip had the same type of pause that he had when talking about R. Bryles. So extremely tight and really not a whole, whole hell of a lot of difference between their offensive philosophies at all. It's the exact same thing. You know, they're going to see it where... It's going to be. It's amazing how much of their offense is truly based out of the run. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be reading, reading that weak safety, or as they call it, the goat. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Dane Evans is going to. Hey, if he's coming up, dude, we're throwing the post. And yeah. then when we get downfield, we're running and gunning and going again. So it's going to be. It's going to look exactly the same that Baylor does. Well, it's pretty interesting too because I mean Tulsa had. Quite, a, they had a really good kind of stable of candidates for that job. You know, uh, yes. going through that. I mean, looking. I, I remember going through there, looking at some of the names through there. You know, and you and I were kind of comparing notes at times on different things. And I mean, you know, guys like Scott Frost. You know, were getting mentioned for that job. And I mean, my my guess is Montgomery must have really just kind of blown uh, blown them away with uh, the presentation that he made and, and the interview that he gave. He did, and it was it was it was Scott Frost, 
uh, Rhett Lashley at Auburn. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I can't remember. Coach Wells at Utah State, yeah. who had coached at Tulsa before, Matt Wells, who yeah. I love, by the way. Yeah. If Matt would have got the job, it would have been just as good because he's a, he's a rock star. Brett's a, lot, a rock star at, at Auburn as well. So, yeah, you start really thinking about the people that they had. But that's the thing about it with even having a bad year, it's the reputation now that has been built by Tulsa football, as crazy as that sounds yeah. sometimes, from Cragthor to what Graham did to continue the tradition. And then Blankenship won a conference championship, too. So mm-hmm. uh, there's a whole now set of young men that know nothing but Tulsa football being good, Tulsa fo- football putting up incredible numbers. You know, the fact that <laughs> Gus Malzahn's the offensive coordinator yeah. for a while, um, it was built upon that that really kind of it, it really brought it back home to us that dang you know what this is a good job for as, as much as as guys like Pat Jones wanted to take a crap on the program and I still don't understand and say it's not a good job that you have the best coordinators in the country that are telling you no it is a good job yeah. because we're applying for it and we know we can win there. Yeah, and, and dude, no one thinks that this is going to be, you know, a stopping point from Philip Montgomery by any means. No one should ever think that, but it still speaks to the level that they have built there. So he did. He came in, and if you believe what the athletic director says, which ah, you know how they are, yeah, he Philip was their number one candidate from the get go. Uh, behind the scenes, I think. Guys like Red Lashley even started to catch on that. Hey, Phillips, Phillips, the guy here. I had some pretty good sources behind the scenes. You know, someone um, that was that was talking to Red, and uh, Red had even you know made the comment of, "Bro, uh, Phillips, the guy." Yeah. Um, and and so when you even have someone like like Red that's saying that, uh, it it really it really spread quickly that all right, yes. Um, they went and interviewed in New York, and this is a funny story. So while they were interviewing in New York uh, during the off season, uh, it was actually award season. Mm. Philip had his interview, left the hotel, and by the time he got to the airport, Doctor Gregg had called him back and said, "Hey, um, we'd really like you to come back." <laughs> yeah. So Philip Philip had to call his wife from the from the airport and be like. Uh, they called me back in, so yeah, he was already at the airport and had to end up going back to the hotel to continue even having the further conversation about this gig. So, uh, by by the time he left the hotel in New York City, got to LaGuardia, Doctor Grab was already calling back, calling <laughs> him back. So that that gives you a really idea of how much he he truly killed it in the interview. Yeah, and then looking here at his coaching staff, you know, you mentioned the guys on offense, and you mentioned Brian Norwood also coming with them from uh, Baylor, and then he's brought uh, Bill Young in, uh, right, to, yeah. uh, as as the other co-defensive coordinator. That guy is, uh, I think, is this his second or third stint with Tulsa? I think something like that. It's uh, it's crazy how much he's been around. Yeah, it is, and uh, one of the well, he is the only guy to technically be a coordinator for both Oklahoma, OSU, and Tulsa. Wow. So, uh, yeah, and it's been it's been a long time since he's been back on, you know, well, I mean, coached it to you. So, obviously, things have changed, and yeah. he brings that up a lot. But, um, look, I, I I know Bill Bill went out at Oklahoma State, and, I, and, and Bill, that's not the way Bill wanted to go out. 
Mm-hmm. But let's give let's give Bill credit. Bill Bill's still a, a hell of a football coach. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I think I think Bill still gets a bad rap sometimes uh, for his age. But from everything that we've heard is that you know Bill Bill's age has not been a factor at all. Uh, has as much energy as he ever had before. As a matter of fact, a comment was made to me that Bill seems as happy as he seemed in an extremely long time. So I think with being back in the state, you know, he had agreed to coach with Chad Morse there at SMU. Yeah. And had already been on campus. And then Phil said, hey, how'd you like to come back to Oklahoma? How'd you like to be back in your home state? And which is also interesting because, you know, we're already we're already looking ahead to, uh, you know, Herman at, at Ohio, or yeah. excuse me, at Houston, and now Chad Morse at SMU. Yeah. So, you know, uh, offensive football in the American is going to be incredible. So then you add even, hey, they stole Bill Young off the staff. But uh, the thing, though, that you got to understand is that he he did give him the co-coordinator uh, position, and he's coaching the D-line, but they surrounded him with, you know, a ton of young guys as well. Yeah. So it's that extra, you know, extra youth, extra energy that's surrounded around, around Bill. Plus, they kind of need someone as well. Uh, it never hurts to have someone that, that can be the mentor that can kind of, you know, mold those younger coaches, you know, provide that experience that is so needed sometimes on staff. And I think that that's, that was what Phillips mentality was is that, Hey, if we surround him with these young up and coming energetic guys, uh, we feel like that, Hey, the sky's the limit for what we can do. And quite frankly, I look, I, I love coach guy who's at mm-hmm. Memphis now, but, uh, that was that that was at a point last year where it was almost uh, well it was just a flat out atrocious you know yeah. everything that they went yeah. through so I, I don't really think that you can get any worse and I'm not saying that that was Coach Guy's fault by any means he had so many uphill battles that he was working against but uh, this man people are people are fired up about it and you could you could really tell today that. Uh, Bill feels really good about about where he's at and what he's doing. Cool, cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the personnel here. You know, I mean, uh, one of the big things that uh, TU has going for it, I think, is that I mean, you know, there's a there's so much back on on really on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, look at the offense. Uh, you know, pretty much everybody that uh, contributed last year is going to be back now. How uh, now? I guess the question then becomes. I mean, how well suited or prepared are they to uh, move into uh, you know uh, you know this kind of breakneck offense? I think very well suited. Now it was culture shock at the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's yeah. funny is, is I I went to I went to one of the spring practices and I was hanging out with former TU All American Jerry Strasky, who played with the Bills for a long time, and you know he's still around the program a lot. And he made a comment as we were standing there watching practice in the spring. And he said, good Lord, look at the amount of running that the offensive line is doing already just at spring balls. He yeah. said, if I was still playing and Montgomery moved in, I'd transfer, bro. That's way too much running. Oh, yeah. Boy, yeah. I hate too much running. So that was what I was watching, you know, all spring and now into summer camp. And every player to a man today in the offensive line said, dude, they killed us. We had never run so much in our lives. We weren't ready for it. It was something that was not even, we couldn't even fathom, you know, what, what we were doing physically. But now, four days into camp, you have some of the offensive linemen turning 
to Phillip and turning to Dane Evans and saying, hey, we need to go more tempo than already what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So that half the battle's already won. Those guys are in incredible shape. Um, they are, they're, they're able to move. And personnel-wise, especially up front, I think everything has clicked now. And by no means am I saying they're going to go in and win the American. But are they better than what they were last year? Uh, yeah. And offense wasn't necessarily always the problem last year. I mean, they had some guys that put up some really good numbers. Mm -hmm. And all of those guys are back. You mentioned Keevan Lucas caught 100 balls last year. Uh, Kiaris Carrot, who seems like he's been in school for 15 yeah, years, goodness. is still there. Uh, big physical wide receiver. He's put on 15 pounds of muscle. Mm -hmm. And Kiaris is a guy that um, it doesn't have necessarily a reputation, you know, to being a, of being a physical guy. And his his entire attitude and mentality has changed a bit. They got, I think uh, I was looking today, I think they got like it was either 12 or 13 receivers that they feel like can contribute. That's how many they have. Mm -hmm. They have a ton of running backs with Zach Langer, who, who was good for them last year. Um, they've got Devarian Dickerson, who came in last year from Juco, who was banged up. Speedy guy that can catch the football on the backfield. Uh, they got D'Angelo Brewer, who's, who's a local kid, mm -hmm. who really came on at the end of last year. Um, they, they have a lot of pieces, and essentially – Everyone except a couple, a handful of guys on the offensive line are back. But even the ones that are playing have had extended playing time based off of injuries last year. So personnel-wise on the offensive side, I've never been concerned about. And I've actually I've been completely fired up because if there's one group of guys I think that can take off in this, it is them. It's always been the defensive side that has concerned me. Well, then let's talk about the defense here. Uh, six guys back from last year. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of depth, it looks like, on the uh, defensive line. Uh, and in the linebacking core, some, you know, some turnover there in the secondary. Yep. I mean, what's the, what's the general feeling there about what the strengths of the defense are going to be and what, what uh, are going to be maybe uh, bigger question marks? Strength is obviously going to be defensive line, which mm. is uh, – which is a positive because they ran through a number of injuries last year. So you've got Derek Alexander, who is the team leader, who's a vocal leader, uh, leader by example type guy that's on the defensive line. They've got another, they've got another individual in, in, uh, Jesse Brubaker, who is, who is a, who's a stud in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's been, he's, he's had to battle through injuries. He got a finger, uh, through the face mask last year and fractured his orbital bone. Yeah, yeah. So he was out for an extended period of time. Well, he was also going through some personal stuff because he had a, he had a baby with his girlfriend in the off season. So he had all that. Then he got injured. Then he came back and got injured a couple of days for or uh, one just one game in, even if three after he came back from his eye. But he is the type of player that. Uh, can not only draw a double team, but it can split the double as well. And there was only like one or two guys that could do that for them last year. And the other one could only do it towards the end of the year. And that was a young man named Jerry Wazike, who mm -hmm. really started to play better for them at the end of the season last year. So you tag on that experience with Derek Alexander. You've got uh, the blue-collar blue lunch pail guy and Derek Lugent, mm -hmm. who... Uh, just goes out and does his job. You never have to worry about losing. As a matter of fact, he he just goes out and does it. And sometimes you overlook him because there's not anything necessarily that's going to wow you. 
but you just you have this comfort level because you know he's always going to be there. And then the other guy that everyone's fired up about is Jeremy Smith, who played at Berry Hill, who was a freshman mm-hmm. last year, who came in on their third downs and was part of what they called their Cobra package. Uh, had a couple big plays early in the season. Then you could tell the game kind of overwhelmed him a bit, but uh, really came together again halfway through, had a decent finish to the season. He's a... Dude, he he's a tall, lanky guy mm-hmm. that you just look at him and you're like, dude is born to be like an outside edge rusher. It looks a lot body type, not comparing him, body type, like Alden Smith, kind of mm-hmm. a taller, lanky guy, uh, long arms, uses his length extremely well, um, but just seemed like for a while he had a hard time catching up mentally. From what I hear, he's been good so far mentally. So they're expecting big things out of him from the defensive end position. So defensive line will will clearly be the the defensive strength this season. So then now looking at the schedule, I mean, as for the American, this is one of the tougher, got to be one of the tougher slates out there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, who are there any kind of uh, real kind of like swing games? You know, games that you know if if TU can win this one, you know, the season might go go one way or the other. Yeah, that's that's difficult. You're right. Um, you look at, at what they have for a first year coach. That's a pretty, <laughs> yeah. you know, I can imagine an Oklahoma fan listening to this right now and saying, "The American, that's not a tough schedule." For first year coach, yeah, and for knowing where they were last year, it is extremely difficult because yeah. if you think about it, they play. I've already brought up SMU and Houston with their new offense, but they play. They play the the, uh, the best team in the conference last year. They played the defending champion Memphis. Mm-hmm. They play the team that everyone's picking in Cincinnati, yeah. and then they go to East Carolina, yeah. who's been consistently good. So it is a difficult schedule for them. And they, do they games. have UCF? Do they also have UCF this year? I think uh, I mean, UCF is, uh, yeah, is in Tulsa. In Tulsa, yeah. 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 So um, their swing games will always depend on, on them. They have to make sure that they win They win games like, obviously, uh, Tulane that's coming up. You know, those, those are games like that that they're going to have to – they're going to have to win. And they're going to let, – let's be honest, they're going to have to beat – the combination of, of of Houston and SMU, they're going to have to win at least one of those two. Mm-hmm. And, and in my opinion, if they want to go to a bowl game, they're going to have to go on the road and they're going to have to beat someone, whether that be East, whether that be East Carolina or whether that be uh, Cincinnati. And I don't know about that. Or you're going to have to pull a big upset at home, which you would, which would more than likely be someone like Memphis. Yeah, you know, there's going to be have to be one of those games where uh, they surprise some people. And if they can do that, I think there's a really good chance that this team can can get to six wins and get to the bowl game. Yeah, well, you know, you got to be pulling for them, a team that's as kind of, you know, with as much kind of many seniors as this team, you know, bringing so many guys back and everything. So it'll be uh, interesting to watch. And I mean, interesting also just to see Montgomery uh, implementing that uh, that up tempo, no huddle offense. So that'll be that'll be pretty cool to watch. So, well, anyway, hey, Jeremy, I've had you on way too long, man, but uh, I really appreciate you uh, you coming on and everything. Uh, give everybody uh, one more update where they can find all your stuff. Uh, you can find us, um, <laughs> there's so many places. You can go to buzztulsa.com. You can find us there. Uh, we're on the iHeartRadio app. All you got to do is search 1430 in Tulsa. 
you can hit me up on Twitter if you want. Uh, just search Pop P-O-P, and I'll be the first one that comes up because I spell my first name weird uh, with an I-E yeah. instead of Y on Jeremy. Yeah. But uh, any of those locations, uh, you can find us. And, uh, man, Alan, I really appreciate it, man. I've told you this before. You do such good work, and I'm I'm happy to see you, like, expanding out even more. It's like everywhere I turn now, I see more articles that you do and, and, and different different platforms. I know with the, with the Sooner Radio stuff, um, that's, that's another avenue that you're doing. And I'm, man, I'm truly happy for you to see, A, you get to do what you love, and B, how good that you've truly become at it, man. And that's, that's, that's being dead honest. And yeah, I, you've got an open line anytime that you want it, and I really appreciate uh, you having me on. Well, thanks, man. That's awfully, that's all the kind of you, man. I really do appreciate that and everything. And uh, like I said, really looking forward to seeing what's next for you, buddy. Yeah, thank you so much, Alan. All right, and thanks again to our uh, guest and good friend Jeremy Poplin of uh, AM fourteen thirty, the Buzz, and uh, you know sideline reporter for the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Make sure to uh, check him out and support all the good work they're doing there in Tulsa, uh, holding it down. Like I said, for a long time there uh, for local sports fans. So thank you all for joining us and for blatant homerism. I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.